So Christmas season is finally here. Our church is beautifully decorated. Thank you, ladies, who did that. And I know some of the guys helped with going up and down the ladder, too, but it looks phenomenal. I really appreciate that. Our series for this Advent is The Heart of Christmas. And in case you missed it, out at the Welcome Center is a basket of books. And that is an Advent devotional for you or your family. It has some things, some activities you can do with kids, some questions and discussion, but it's also something that you could do on your own or maybe with somebody else. So make sure you pick one of those up, and there are also invitation cards that you can take and uh, invite somebody to come along with you. So we see the signs of the season. We hear the music of the season all around us, and once Thanksgiving was officially over, I allowed myself to start listening to my Christmas albums. That's just my own pet peeve. It's nothing I judge anybody else for, but I like to wait. And I'm up to almost 50 Christmas records. Cindy thinks I may have a problem. I found three more yesterday, and I particularly like the ones from the 40s and the 50s, uh, even up through the 70s, ones that I listened to as a kid with my parents. And those classics uh, certainly bring us back to our childhood and and good memories of Christmas. But as we're coming together this morning, we hear and see the things all around us. We see the trees, we see the toys, we see the treats. All I want for Christmas is popping up everywhere. We can't get away from it. And it can easily distract us from what is most important at this season, and that's Jesus, the Son of God. So during this series, we're going to look at how hope, peace, Joy and love are really at the heart of Christmas and how they should be at the heart of our lives. This morning, we're going to discover the hope that came to us through the birth of the long-awaited Messiah, Jesus Christ. With the news that all this was happening around the world and all that we see in our darkened world today, I'm sure that we could all use a little hope. We can learn a lot by of hope by watching the way children embrace the holiday season. Nothing says hope like the Christmas lists that children create. Amazon loves our family so much that they sent us this toy catalog, which is kind of like the old Sears wish book. But there are no prices in it, and there's no retail store. It's all all things that are ordered from Amazon. So our grandsons were here in Dunkirk for... Thanksgiving, and Liam, who is three and a half years old, had fun going through the catalog and circling all the toys that got his attention. And I sat down to look at them with him, and I don't think there was a single page without something circled. And he explained to me that these were all the items that he was ordering. (laughs) This kid not only has a lot of hope, he has a lot of chutzpah. But Christmas is something we look forward to. We wonder if we're going to get the things that we've hoped for through the year. But the real hope is not gifts. The real hope is found in the birth of Jesus Christ. His arrival on the earth was a fulfillment of a prophecy from hundreds of years earlier. And this prophecy from Isaiah is actually one of the most well-known scripture passages that are shared during the Advent season. Let me read for you Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 to 7. You can follow along on screen or in your copy of the scriptures. The people who walked in darkness had seen a great light. 
Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divided the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot on the tramping warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The political and social backdrop to what Isaiah was writing, this was around 740 BC, was poor leadership. The people of Israel had been struggling through the reigns of four ungodly kings, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. They were corrupt and they led the people far away from God. It was a very dark time in their history. The nation of Israel realized that putting all their hope in a king was futile. The prophet Isaiah wrote these words from God, knowing that only divine intervention could bring Israel back to God. The kingdom was crumbling and the people needed real hope. This passage makes two major statements. The first is an acknowledgement of the brokenness the darkness that surrounded Israel due to the sin and corruption. And the second is the hope of a dawning light through the birth of a child who would one day make all things right. The Jewish people in the Old Testament needed these words to remind them that God had not forgotten them. The book of Matthew in the New Testament also reminds us of Isaiah's writings And through the Holy Spirit's inspiration, the gospel writer was making the connection between what Isaiah had prophetically written hundreds of years before and what had just taken place in a small stable behind an inn in Bethlehem. Listen to these words from Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. I'm going to back up to verse 21. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. As we watched in that short video that I almost skipped, there was a young Jewish man named Joseph. He was an upright and righteous man. He was well-known in the community. He was honorable. And he had a very difficult decision to make. He was engaged to be married to a young woman named Mary, who also was honorable and loved by those in the community. But Joseph learned that before they had been married, she had become pregnant. Joseph planned to call off the wedding quietly, But an angel sent by God spoke to Joseph in a dream. 
and told him to go ahead with the marriage because the child that she was carrying was actually from the Holy Spirit. She had not been unfaithful to him. She was carrying the Son of God. These events took place, as Matthew wrote, to fulfill Isaiah's prophecy from the Old Testament, which claimed there would be a child born as a light in the darkness and a hope for all people. This is not just for the nation of Israel, but a hope for all the people. The child would be named Emmanuel, which means God with us. So if you like taking notes, especially our young people, if you find that note sheet in your bulletin, there are three main points today. And the first one is darkness threatens our hope. The center of the Christmas story is, of course, focused squarely on the birth of Jesus, even though it's hard to sometimes see that today as we see all of the other things going on in our culture that are Christmas-related. Jesus is often left out, or he's just a quiet addendum to the story. Jesus is the fulfillment of Israel's hope that God would push back the darkness and shine a bright light into the world. One of the reasons that Christmas resonates in our heart is because we too live in a world that is similar to the one Israel was experiencing thousands of years ago. Our world is dark and corrupt because of sin in every corner of the globe. There's war, disease, conflict. There's oppression all around us. And of course, corrupt leaders. And we too are in need of a Messiah, the Christ to bring light, to push back the darkness all around us. If all of our focus is on the darkness that we see in the world around us, we're going to live in constant fear and anxiety. And we may even lose hope. Today, people question not only God's existence, but they question if there is a God, is he good? We see the pain, we see the suffering all around us. How could a good God allow this to happen? And if he is, as the Bible says, an all-powerful God, why doesn't he stop the evil? We learn from God's word that even though sin brought death and destruction, God is still good and he is still all-powerful. He is seated on his throne and his plan for the end of evil for the complete restoration of his creation is already taking place. The people he created to have free will, to choose to continue in sin or to choose to find hope and forgiveness, to find new life in Jesus Christ. Every man, woman, and child is faced with that choice. And that's why we still see evil and sin in the world around us, because people choose to continue in their sin. We can find hope that God is still on his throne and that we are part of this unfolding plan. We can bring people hope only when we bring them to Jesus. Christmas is a reminder that the things that we hope for in our lives, for things like restoration and forgiveness, for a fresh start, all of these things are available, but only through Emmanuel, God with us. Hope doesn't come because we have it all figured out. Hope doesn't come from other people or from the advancement of science and our social systems around us. Hope doesn't come from 
this world. Hope comes from outside of this world. The things that we hope for may be resolved here and now, or they may be later in heaven. Those are promises that we have in God's word, that there will be peace, that there will be a restoration of all things, but we may not see them in our own lives. We may not see them here on earth while we're still living. They may be in eternity. All true hope is a result of the presence of God. And because God is trustworthy, because he keeps all of his promises, our hope in him is sure and steady. God's presence is what gives us hope. The hard thing about hope is that it often takes longer than we would like to see it be fulfilled. Just like the Jewish people experienced, hope requires patience. They had to wait for hundreds of years for Isaiah's prophecy to be fulfilled, for that child to be born, to be God with us. How many of you like waiting for things? Anybody raise your hand? You like waiting for things? Next day delivery has taken away our need for patience. We order things and they show up before the end of the week in a day or two. And if they don't, then we're tracking the package all around town on our phone apps. I must have gotten five notifications from UPS this week about a Christmas gift that I ordered. And they kept sending me note after note after note like, like I needed to know exactly where this box was. Okay, it's in the driver's lap now. He's about to get out of the car. He's opening his door. Here he comes. It's okay, just deliver it. <clears throat> in the old days, and of course I'm dating myself, shipping was typically six to eight weeks. How many of you remember that? That was just the common thing. Shipping is gonna be six to eight weeks. We almost forgot what we ordered in the time that it would show up. And then we'd be excited because we're surprised two months later that here's a package. Oh yeah, I guess I ordered that. Those of you that are younger can't even imagine a world where you'd have to wait six to eight weeks for anything. Isaiah saw a day in the future when God would bring a great light, when he would bring salvation through the birth of a very special child. But it was not until hundreds of years later, as Matthew recorded Jesus' birth in Bethlehem, several generations of people had lived and died waiting for Jesus to come. Jesus is the very presence of God here on earth. And he offers forgiveness of sin. He offers destruction of evil and the promise of eternal life. So why do we read Isaiah's prophecy each year during Christmas? It's because seeing the faithfulness of God in the past builds our perseverance. It gives us deep and abiding hope in the present and a steady trust in God for the future. The Apostle Paul made an appeal for hope to those who trust in Jesus Christ as he wrote a letter to the early church in Rome. Romans 15, verse 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. We saw that last week in our Corinthians passage, that the things that happened to the people in Israel, the things that are recorded in the Bible to various people were written there for our warning, for our encouragement, and for us to have hope that God will do what he says he will do. 
The Apostle Paul said everything that's been written in the past, all of the prophecy and the fulfillment is all there to teach us, to hold on to the faith that we have in God, that he will answer our prayers. What's been written also is giving us endurance and encouragement that we too might have hope. It's important as we revisit the prophetic words of the Old Testament and the fulfillment that comes through the birth of Jesus Christ, because all those things remind us that God can be trusted to come through and to meet us in our greatest times of need. If you're struggling, turn back to the book of Psalms where David and the other psalmists are writing about God's strong right arm and his faithful love, how it endures from generation to generation. Those things are recorded for us to encourage us when we're facing struggles, when we're in the darkness and we're looking for a glimmer of hope. We can remember what God has done and what he's still doing. So our third and final point this morning is the heart of Christmas is hope. Though there are many distractions during the Christmas season, this message is a reminder that hope is offered to us through Jesus' arrival in the manger. The hope for the Messiah finally arrived, and it was just at the right time. Scripture tells us when all the things were fulfilled, that's when Jesus came. He wasn't a day early or a day late. He came exactly when God had purposed him to be there. As we wrap up, can I tell you a story? I was going to bring in a rocking chair and sit down and tell you the story, but I'm afraid I might fall asleep with all the pain, not pain medication, but uh, cough medication I'm on. So here's the story without the rocking chair. Just pretend I'm gently rocking. (laughs) There's a woman named Stella Thornhope who was struggling with her first Christmas alone. Her husband of many, many years had died just a few months earlier through a slow developing cancer. And several days before Christmas, she was almost snowed in by a brutal weather system She felt terribly alone and disconnected, so much that she decided she wasn't even going to decorate for Christmas. Late one afternoon, the doorbell rang. There was a delivery man with a good-sized box with some holes in it. And he asked, are you Mrs. Thornhope? Would you mind signing here, please? She invited him in to the foyer, closed the door to get away from the cold, And she signed the paper and said, so what's in the box? The young man laughed, and he opened up the flap, and inside was a golden Labrador retriever. The delivery guy picked up the squirming pup and explained, this is for you, ma'am. He's six weeks old, he's completely housebroken, and the little puppy with big paws began to wiggle in happiness at finally being released from captivity. Who sent this? Mrs. Thornhope asked. The young man set the puppy down on the floor and handed her an envelope and said, it's all explained here, ma'am, in the envelope. The dog was delivered or was ordered last July while its mother was still pregnant, and it was meant to be a Christmas gift for you. And then the young man handed her a booklet called How to Care for Your Labrador Retriever. In desperation, she asked again, but who sent this puppy? 
As the young man turned to leave, he said, it was your husband, ma'am. Merry Christmas. She opened the letter from her husband. He had written it three weeks before he died. And he left it with the kennel owners with instructions to deliver it to her with the puppy as his last Christmas gift to her. The letter was full of love and encouragement and admonishments to be strong. He vowed that he was waiting for the day when she would join him in heaven. He had sent this puppy to keep her company until then. As she wiped away the tears and put the letter down, she looked down and remembered that there was an excited puppy at her feet. She picked up the golden furry ball and held it up to her neck. Then she looked out the window at the lights outlining the neighbor's house. She heard from the radio in the Christmas, the strains of joy to the world, the Lord has come. And suddenly Stella felt an amazing sensation of hope washing over her again. Her heart remembered the joy and the wonder greater than her grief and her loneliness. Little fella, she said to the dog, it's just you and me, but you know what? There are some boxes down in the basement, and I bet you'd enjoy them. They've got a little Christmas tree, there's some decorations and some lights that I just know you're going to love. And there's a manger scene there, too, telling us what the real reason of Christmas is. Let's go get it. Jesus is our hope. Our God is always right on time. He knows exactly what we need and when we need it, just like the arrival of this package for this lonely lady who is losing hope and losing her joy. God can be trusted to reveal the light of Jesus Christ in order to push back the darkness in our lives. In a land full of deep darkness, the light has truly dawned. And each Christmas, as we remember the hope that came with Emmanuel, God with us, we can be encouraged to look to that hope that Christ will return. He will bring us home to heaven. He will set all things right again. God will fully restore his creation. Do you have any doubt about that? Do you have that hope? Through the ages, people have placed their hope in wise leaders or in a larger army or maybe in science and medicine. They hope that that's what's going to keep them alive. But after many global wars, after horrific acts of hatred and terrorism, after changing weather patterns, people lose hope. Children have lost hope as they saw parents abandon them. Spouses lose hope as marriages dissolve. Even trusting solely in your own knowledge and your own abilities can lead you to hopelessness because the answers aren't found within us. They're only found in the God who created us. We are created by God to know him to be known by him and to love him. Without that connection to your creator, your heavenly father, there is no lasting hope for this life or the next. The good news that we celebrate at Christmas time is that God the Father sent his son into the world to offer forgiveness of sin, to offer redemption and peace with God, a relationship with your everlasting Father and eternal life. You can find real hope only in a relationship with Jesus Christ.
as your Lord and Savior. So this morning, some takeaway thoughts, maybe to get some conversations going on your drive home. You can come out to our house tonight for a growth group, and we're going to talk a little bit more about today's message. But the first question is, are you looking to people? Are you looking to government leaders or parties? Are you looking to science or a really big retirement account that keeps going up and down? Are you looking for that to bring you hope? None of those things are sure. Your faith and your hope belong in God. The next question is, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you put your hope in him instead of yourself or the people around you? The good news of Christmas is that we can find real hope at the heart of Christmas. We can find real hope in a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the long-awaited Messiah who brought hope to his people, who brought light to a dark world. Mark's going to come. We're going to sing a closing Christmas song. I look forward to these upcoming weeks because we get to sing some of the greatest songs in our faith, singing about the arrival of Jesus Christ, these beautiful Christmas hymns. And we're going to have some special music throughout this month, too. Would you bow with me in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for bringing hope and light into a dark world, for bringing hope when there was hopelessness, for giving us not only peace with you, but eternal life, a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, coming to live as Emmanuel, God with us so that we could see your character up close. We could see how you care for the downtrodden, how you love the unlovely, how you provide for all of the needs of mankind. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to this world that you created. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing in his son, Jesus Christ, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. In the name of our wonderful counselor, Jesus, I pray. Amen.